0: This episode of People You Should Know podcast is brought to you by World Congress and their fifth annual patient advocacy summit happening in Arlington, Virginia at the Hilton Arlington, October 23rd through the 24th. If you are a patient advocate or you want to be a patient advocate, it's the place to be. I have had the pleasure of working with World Congress in the past. I've served on their panels, and this event has a couple really cool panels. Check this out. They have the patient reaction panel as well as an FDA perspective panel. What's even better is they have plenty of networking opportunities, including a town hall that mixes industry with patient groups and media. All at the same time, you can meet all those different types of people, and you can partake in many workshops as well as sink your teeth into some high-level case studies developed with C-suite executives, patient leaders, and key industry stakeholders. Oh, and you like food? Yeah, well, don't worry. You're going to be hungry after all that networking and learning, and they have that covered. They have a live patient awards dinner planned to celebrate the leaders in the patient community. Again, it's World Congress, the fifth annual Patient Advocacy Summit happening October 23rd and 24th in Arlington, Virginia. Get there. Get registered. Check them out. (laughs) Worldcongress.com.
1: Listening to the People You Should Know podcast with your host, Bill Coon.
0: Thanks, Dave. Dave Calloway, everybody. A little fun fact about Dave. He actually was just chosen to be on the 2018 men's curling team in Pyeongchang. It's going to be quite the games. It is episode 14 of season one. I personally can't believe it's already 14 weeks. This podcast debuted on June 28th, 2017, and it's just hard to believe that 14 full weeks have gone by. The whole summer just poof gone, and we're heading into the fall now. It's, it's truthfully crazy, and it's been quite the journey. I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of people with just remarkable stories in the last few months this past summer of mine and today's guest is is no different really as i alluded to in the prior episode today's guest Pete Molody was actually connected to me or i was connected to him through the last two episodes guest Kate Koberman her and i were sitting there planning our day of how i was going to come there and hang out with her and her mom and She just happened to casually say, oh, I've got this friend. He's also here at Mayo, and I really think you should go chat with him. I'll I'll talk to him. I'll see if we can hook it up, and the next thing I know, I get this text message from a random number, and it's Pete, and he's interested, willing to talk to me, and sure enough, he also has a very interesting story. He has P-L-E, which stands for protein losing enteropathy. I probably said that last word right. I... I butchered it in the interview. You'll hear it soon. (laughs) But uh, yeah, basically it's damage to the gut wall and PLE causes him to lose the essential proteins that obviously we all need to function and and live and, and have energy. And he unfortunately, due to the damage of his gut wall, loses it quite frequently. And as he gets into diet is a very big part of maintaining a lifestyle when you have PLE. So I go to his house, sit down, and you quickly realize a few things. One, that he has a wiener dog. Uh, it, it, it's briefly mentioned in the interview. You'll hear it really quickly. There is a wiener dog that I did a terrible job explaining and describing while the interview was happening, so I feel like I have to tell you now. Uh, so that's what I'm referencing. It's this little dog walking around. Um, on top of that, you could quickly find out that he is a man of faith. And that comes up as well in the interview. It's the first time in the podcast history that we had someone with strong faith, or at least someone with strong faith who openly was willing to speak about it. And it, it, was, it was an interesting uh, concept that we dabbled into with, with that for, for a little bit. Um, and his wife was walking around. She was very sweet. She gave us wraps and donuts. It was, it was a good time. So I set the mics down. His mic, my mic... And then when I go to edit the podcast, I realize that the mics weren't working the way I was envisioning them working. So you're going to hear it. There's like a little bit of a part where it sounds like my voice is in the distance. It was only because my mic didn't pick it up really well. It's, it's a whole thing to explain. It's, it's kind of messed up. So but you'll hear it. Uh, my voice might go a little soft at some point. So if you're in the car, just crank it up a little bit. Just crank it up, crank it up. And uh, with that in mind, here it is. My conversation with Pete about P-L-E. Check it out. Joining me on the People You Should Know podcast today is Pete Mullity. Pete has a very interesting story. It has to do with PLE. i I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm not going to get too into it because it's his story to tell, his story to share, and that's why he is here today. So, Pete, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today
1: hey thank you very much for having me bill um coming by my house and seeing me and thank you for having me
0: we just got done having donuts together cannot say enough about the donut quality here in rochester so all good stuff and pete obviously everyone's picking up on it you have a southern accent where south of illinois are you from
1: i'm from chattanooga tennessee
0: chattanooga tennessee all right yeah so Your story really begins with where you were born, because when you were born, you were born with a congenital heart defect. So I don't know if
1: you want to start telling your story from there. Sure. I was born with a congenital heart defect. It was called tricuspid atresia. So I didn't have a tricuspid valve in my heart. Um, That being said, uh, I got sicker and sicker. Uh, My grandmother knew that something was wrong. Uh, Of course, I was born in 65, and... said we need to do something about this so I wasn't able to keep food down wasn't able to breathe breathe right and so we came up here to Mayo and um, basically what what we did is the doctors looked at me and said there was there's nothing we can do for you up here so we're gonna have to you know try to find something else to do or you know do the best you can with your with your child so but that was a long time ago and that was the beginning of the inception of CHD and trying to do corrective surgery for it, mm-hmm. surgeries for it. So I, I was on the uh, beginning wave of that. So we went to another uh, friend of my dad's. My dad's a physician uh, in uh, Virginia, UVA. His name, name was Dr. Frank Damon, And this is back in 66, 1966. And he said, there's a thing that we've got called pulmonary. We can actually do a pulmonary banding. So they did a pulmonary banding. Fast forward to 1977, Mayo had another operation up here that they could do, which was the corrective surgery, not the Fontan, but the corrective surgery. Right. So where they actually put a porcine valve going from the right atrium to the right ventricle and uh, corrected the ASD and the, uh, the ASD and VSD. So there was a good uh, period of life uh, from 77 all the way up to, oh, 93. Um, and in 93, the valve that I had in there had was crushed because of the, um, basically because of the, the sternum had crushed it or had made it not flow as well. So to speak, it restricted the flood, the blood flow. So '93, I had surgery, which is the actual Fontan procedure. Um, they took out, they decided not to connect to the right ventricle uh, that was totally taken away. So it wasn't, useful anymore. They did a RA, they did did a pulmonary artery, they did an RA to PA where the blood flow went through uh, the right atrium to the pulmonary artery. So it was a passive blood flow instead of a strong blood flow. Mm -hmm. So then after that I had a uh, pretty good run until 2004 I would say. I think that was the year uh, where I came up here because of certain gastroenterology issues.
0: Which we will get
1: into in a little bit. Yeah, called protein-losing enteropathy. Mm-hmm. And so what protein-losing loo- loo- pro- protein enteropathy is, or PLA, we'll keep it short. I was losing protein from the gut again, and so that made life more difficult with anemia in the legs, edema in the legs, ascites uh, in the belly, and just a lot of tough Bad. issues.
0: And to pause for one second here so we can clarify this for anybody who doesn't have a medical degree or doesn't really live in this world, was your PLE caused by your CHD?
1: Uh, no, it was actually caused by the Fontan procedure.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So,
1: um, PLE was the last thing that i had had uh, up to this point. So, um, I came up here, my, my condition was slowly getting worse, but it wasn't as fast, it wasn't as getting as worse as fast as, as other people So for whatever reason, um, that's what happened. And then in 2015, they said, uh, really the end of 2014, you need to, we need to put you through a transplant evaluation. Mm -hmm. And so we came up here, uh, for most of the year of, in fact for all the year of 2015, four uh, four different trips up here and, uh, they went through the transplant evaluation program. And then we found out later uh, at the end of 2015 that um, I was not eligible for a transplant because my antibodies or HLAs or PRAs Mm. were way too high to be transplanted. I had blood type O, and then I had had developed some kidney disease. So bad liver, um, the, the liver was cirrhotic, bad heart, and then developing kidneys, which we're not doing as what they should do, so to speak.
0: So that was in 2015? That was in 2015, exactly. Yeah. So present day right now, are you able to be listed? Has anything changed? No,
1: I'm not able to be listed, and I don't think ever because of the simple fact that the uh, I'm blood type o, the wait would be too long, and where I'd have to be in the hospital. Number three is... You know, the, the bad kidneys, so those three strikes, but the main one is basically uh, the anti rejection. There's no way I would get through the surgery because the anti rejection of the heart and can and well, the heart and the liver. So they were going to do a liver and heart transplant. I forgot to put that in there because the liver actually cleans out the antibodies anyway, can in, in theory. So
0: <laughs> I like how you mentioned the the liver like that like the heart and and the liver it, it's kind of the same thing for me where people and myself too they're always like oh yeah the heart transplant oh and and the kidney and it, it's i noticed that about transplant people is the heart seems to be this shocking thing both to the general public and to the person who receives it and then any other organ that gets thrown in there a liver a kidney it's always just like oh and this footnote liver kidney just kind of a weird thing Anyway, so you had another procedure done then uh, lymphatic embolization
1: that's closest lymphatic embolization Thank you. <laughs> and that was actually done um, last year in August of 2016 so what they did is they actually tied off some some of the uh, uh, lymphatic areas within the chest okay and that that allowed the less protein to flow out. So, at this point in time, I'm very blessed, lucky, and I thank God every day that I'm alive, that my albumin is now 3.5, which is in the lower end of the uh, albumin range, protein range.
0: And that sounds intense. So, what was the recovery process like from that procedure?
1: It was a little rough, to be honest with you. It was very rough because they found some other problems in there also, which I want to talk about. Um, I had a clot in the lower part of the fontane which is the, the heart. And um, they had to remove that. And then I had some other liver issues that were coming up. So not major liver issues, but liver issues that just had not been to the doctor and they had not discovered it. So had not been to the doctor and they'd not discovered it. But anyway, there were some other liver issues. So um, SBT, which is spa, sp- uh, Spontaneous Bacterial Pernitis. I have that also. And that was something I've got to live with also. So I take an antibiotic every day with that.
0: Speaking of which, something I wanted to ask you, because I noticed before we got started here that you had swallowed a handful of pills you had to take before we we did this, your medications. And it was very reminiscent of mine when I was at a similar situation and state like you're in. I had to take a lot of medications as well, and I remember taking about 13 at once. So how many pills do you take on a daily basis, what are the side effects, what's the worst? I think
1: one of the worst medications that I take is, is for uh, basically um, not only sleep apnea, not sleep apnea, but uh, insomnia, as well as some other issues. Uh, uh, just a little bit of, of um, uh, restless leg syndrome is Neurotin or uh, Gabapentin. Same, same word, it's different, tumor types. And what that does is that that kind of puts me to sleep. So that's one of the side effects. Um, The other one is I take teresimide and uh, I take that three times a day or twice a day. Mm -hmm. That makes me have to go to the restroom. And then um, I will take a a thyroid pill uh, and some actual kidney medication to keep the blood pressure up for the kidneys. And um, that's called midadrine. So those are the major ones.
0: So you're at about five right now? Yeah,
1: about five. Five major ones, and then of course I'll take you know a couple of vitamin supplements, mm-hmm. which the doctors pr- have prescribed. Um, vitamin E, five thousand units, and the other one is uh, Centrum Silver. So, <laughs> right, right,
0: so. And to go back real quickly here, I'm I'm gonna butcher this again, but with the lymphatic
1: lymphatic embolization. See,
0: yeah, right there. I uh, I don't have my MD. I just have a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So prior to that procedure, then. Back in the day when you were losing proteins by the gallon, let's just say that, how has your quality of life changed prior to and after the procedure?
1: Well, the quality of life with regard to the protein is great. So um, the quality I know I'm kind of going downhill to some degree. The quality of life is good. And I've been very grateful to my wife and my son who made a move from Georgia all the way up to here because I worked in Georgia. 20, 25 plus years. So, um, I'd had a history with Mayo uh, for a long time. They knew they could take care of me uh, and my doctor definitely knows how to take care of me and what to do. Um, so the quality of life has pretty much gotten, it's gotten better with regard to the the protein losing enteropathy, but now I'm on oxygen. My lungs are not doing well, that type of thing. So, um, it's, it's, it's about as good as it's going to get. It may get a little bit better. Right. We'll see. Um, I'm getting some, uh, on occasion some iron transfusions and that type of thing. So, right. so,
0: You mentioned how your son and wife moved their entire lives up here for you from Georgia to the Mayo Clinic area. What has this
1: entire experience taught you about family? Well, it's taught me that my wife and my son are very dedicated to me, and they love me very much. The family is probably one of them. Is the most important thing, uh, besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So that's the most important thing that He sustains us every day, literally every day. So, and every day is a gift, even when you get up with the aches and pains of yeah. getting up. So every day,
0: still alive, still kicking. Oh yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because you know I walked in here and it became immediately apparent from just looking around and, and from talking to you over donuts before we even had donuts about how you are clearly a man of faith so how has this whole experience impacted your faith has it ever made you question your faith or or what what has that journey been like throughout this entire experience of yours
1: battling ple um if i questioned my faith uh there have been some dark valleys, yeah, absolutely. But I think there are a lot of ministers who've carried me through that faith, as well as God. Um, you know, I have a strong uh, church at home called Lawrenceville Baptist, not Lawrenceville Baptist, Lawrenceville Methodist, um, back in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and then
0: first podcast shout out to Lawrenceville, Georgia. That's right. <laughs> Anybody listening from there, I guess.
1: And then I have a gentleman who calls me pretty much every week. His name is. Uh, Pastor Ralph Easterwood and okay. he's a retired minister so gotcha. so he um, he's a great guy he is. so but um, yeah going back to that I'm reading a book and this is kind of a, a segue I'm reading a book and i'm and pitching this to everyone we're endorsing it for everyone I'm, uh, it's called imagine heaven free plug and it's by John Berg and it's an incredible book I've given it out to quite a few people and um, it's basically a a, a, a compilation or, or a profile of all of these NDE experiences, near death near death experiences, and um, it's all documented with scripture. So it's not like just something that's that's out there that to to make money at all. But um, this is something that's real. I definitely believe heaven is real. And no, not not that I've had an NDE.
0: And that was actually my next question was because of all these procedures and everything you've gone through with your
1: body, have you had any NDEs? I've I've come close to actually having one, but I never did. And what I mean by that is, I was in the hospital this past November, and it was for um, a bleeding area down here in the, near the gallbladder. Um, My bile duct was bleeding because another procedure had been done. And so I lost a lot of blood. I was, my hemoglobin was down to five. Which is unbelievable. Nothing happened. I did not cross the other side or go to cross the Rubicon. But it just, I just, I just got better from it. Mayo took care of me. They really did their best.
0: And you keep praising Mayo, which is all good, cool. Shout out to Mayo too. Um, But based on the geography of your life and some of the things you've alluded to, I'm guessing it's safe to say you've seen your fair share of doctors. Oh, yeah. Well, perfect, because something I've noticed since releasing this podcast, it's been out for a few weeks now. By the time your episode comes out, it will probably be in the double digits of episodes. What I'm getting at is so far, a lot of people who have been listening to this podcast are individuals who are already in the medical field. I have a lot of listeners who are nursing students, medical students, or maybe they're even veterans of the field. Anyway, my question then is as someone who has quote-unquote been around the block in terms of medicine as a patient, what qualities do you feel make the best nurse or doctor in terms of bedside manner from your perspective as someone in the hospital?
1: Well, I think the number one thing is compassion and patience and finding out what the person needs, those three things. And... Um... Quality of those three. Those are the main qualities that a nurse and/or physician have, and being able to listen to the patient. Sometimes the patient will be very intimidated by the doctor, because um, of their presence or the way they care themselves. That's a huge quality. Being able to come in, and smile, ask ask the patient how they're doing. You know, um, kind of opening up the, the conversation, to letting them yes. talk seventy percent of the time. Seventy percent of the time, as opposed to the doctor talking seventy percent of the time, mm-hmm. so that's the key thing, mm-hmm. and then being compassion, follow up, care mm-hmm. afterwards, and uh, being having having those open lines of communications.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I could not agree with you more. It, I just know from my experience being in the hospital too. It's like you immediately know who the guy is or the, or the woman is. Not not to be sexist but the person who walks in at the doctor and they either have this air about them where they think that they're the only person who should be speaking. There's other ones who walk in there and you just automatically don't trust them. It's a vibe. It's a vibe thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but moving on, let's talk the future. You're clearly here in Minnesota right now. You're from the South. Is there any plan for you and your family to head back south or is it basically you're you're, you're just here for good
1: i'm going to stay here as a permanent resident okay. so we're going to we're going to make, make some couple trips a few trips down to yeah, the south fun? and the do you next go back then we're going to make our first trip uh in the next month or so okay. so it'll be fun to to do that um we haven't decided on a date yet but we will be it going
0: what's the first thing you do when you get there
1: Oh, like my mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the first thing. How long has it
0: been since you last saw them?
1: Well, it's been about six months. They were up here in Christmas at Christmas time, so it's been, you know, eight months basically. So.
0: Yeah, you and I were actually talking about this before I turned the mic on. So last time I was here in Mayo, it was. years ago, 2013, 2012, somewhere in there, and I was doing a speech at the Ronald McDonald House down the street, and I remember walking away being, like, blown away that there were so many people from all over, you know, the South, some from Minnesota, some from international people. While being here as a permanent resident, have you tapped in at all to this community of people from different walks of life and conditions?
1: I haven't yet. No, Um, I haven't, I'll be honest with you, and maybe this is a part of laziness, as, uh, uh, as well as yeah. my ability to do that. Um, I have a lot of issues going, obviously, as well as we talked about. So I'm get very tired in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, so I usually take a nap every day. Well,
0: naps are solid, but what's the day in the life like of someone with PLE?
1: Day in the life, uh, I wake up if I'm not doing anything that day. I'll just kind of you know, kind of slum around here. I used to do cardio workout, and I want to get back into that, but I think I pulled something in my hip and my back, so mm-hmm. I've got to get that seen. It's because I'd like to get back. Being active, because one thing's, one of the things that, that PLA does, it can, over the long run, and does, eat away at the muscle tissue unless you work it out. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is for every human being, so you need to stay steady and work out. Two to three times a week, do something, walk. In fact, I was talking with my wife today. Let's just go to Apache Mall and walk uh, with, because I've got a little rollator that I can walk with. Um, and a little winter dog. Yeah, I'm not going to take him. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll attack everyone. Lou, his name yeah, is yeah. Louie. Oh, uh, yeah. Louis. Louie. No. <laughs> Lou, so. Actually, he's pretty nice to you. I mean, he's nice to all humans. He just hates other dogs. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah, that's how my mom's two shih tzus are. Yep. Yeah, so, but the, yeah, the key thing is just to keep them moving. So I'll usually do something as far as getting out. Um, you know, I, love, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I love to go to stores and just to kind of look around and, mm-hmm. like Costco, and mm-hmm. just getting stuff that we need on a daily basis. And then, you know, two or three of those trips, depending on I sl- how I sleep, two or three of those trips can kind of wear me out. Mm-hmm. Meaning, two or three different places to go to. I'm involved, somewhat involved in my church. I did VBS this past week, and that was fun so Vacation Bible School and our church up here which is um, Holy Cross Lutheran Church so shout out to them too yeah, <laughs> yeah Holy Cross up so, shout out this whole interview. Great.
0: Yeah. so yeah
1: yeah so I, I, I go to that church every Sunday um, and have been very blessed to be able to do that I'm not gonna just sit in bed and waste away I'm just not gonna so, because I think that's 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 what keeps people alive, it's attitude also. Oh, we didn't cover wow. attitude. Sometimes I have a bad attitude. I'm not going not gonna to lie. Yeah. Sometimes I have a bad attitude, but I try to keep an up attitude.
0: How often do you pull that off?
1: Uh, 75, 90% of the time.
0: Not bad, not bad. So, question then a big part of my routine when I was sick was to create goals, short term goals, long term goals. You know, short term goals were in two weeks going to see blank band at a concert and long-term goals were get back to college, you know, big lifestyle life milestone type of things with that in mind. Do you do that? Do you set short-term goals and long-term goals? And if so, what are they for you?
1: Well, my goals are one thing is to uh, the everyday goal is to, is to eat right. I think that's a huge thing with PLE patients is you cannot eat a lot of fat, and you cannot eat a lot of sodium. So when you, if you keep that goal in mind and eat light every day, don't eat big meals because over you get, the big meals drag you down. I don't know what it is for the younger folks.
0: I'm the exact same way. I can barely do sugar anymore. I'm only 28, and I eat sugar, and I feel like crap. So I, I get it. Yep.
1: So anyway, um, we, uh, that's the short-term goal on a daily basis. And my next goal, hopefully, is and I want to be able to do this, is see my son graduate from high school. That's the number one goal. Okay. That's, That's in about a year. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's he'll be he's a rising junior. He'll be uh, he's going to Century High School this year. He's involved in basketball and loves that more than anything. So and he's I don't know what he's thinking about doing, you know, things change for kids all around yeah. every day. He's he's possibly thinking about the military, going to the military. Okay. I'd like to see me go to the Air Force because I know quite a few people up here as well as one of our relatives at home who has been in the airport and been very successful at it. So, But um, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, those goals and plans for teenagers change all the time.
0: So there's a question I ask everyone I interview or at least 90% of the people I interview, but it changes and is customized based on their certain circumstance. And the question is this. Let's say someone is listening to this podcast right now who lives in more of a rural area and they are forced for their medical care to go to something a little different, more of a metropolitan region, like someone going from somewhere in the deep south to the UCLA campus, for example, for medical care. Right. What advice do you have for that individual and for maybe a couple who is just starting this part of their journey and... They have to bring their family. What advice do you have from the parental end of things?
1: Well, the the child has to be very open to it. See, uh, Peter has known that I've been this way for a good part of my life Mm -hmm. and have gotten more tired and more tired pretty much um, throughout the the period of days and time. And um, the child has to be bought into it, basically. I mean... Uh, and if he's not, it's it doesn't mean you can't move, but he'll make friends, and it's I think it's a good experience for, because I mean all the all the days all, I'm speaking on Peter's behalf, all of the days that my son has gone through have been not great, but he's made some friends up here mm-hmm. through his basketball team and through the AAU league, which is pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. So um, number one, they 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 can't be bought into it, you know to tell them that they'll make new friends. They'll make a lot of new friends and it'll be a good experience. And it will help them them down the road to be able to face life, because it's a good life experience to get over certain challenges. And if they face these challenges early in life, the rest of the life won't be as hard. Because it's just a, a process of learning, number one, and a process of overcoming. Uh, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds simple on paper, but until you do it, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have heard the term fake it until you make it. <laughs> yeah. But once you get to know people, you become, I hope you want to become more authentic mm-hmm. and everyone should be authentic.
0: And on that note, speaking of authenticity, you're not like the average person who will do an interview because you don't have something to plug. You're not trying to sell anything. Obviously you plugged that one book, but that wasn't your book. That's you know not your thing. My question then for you and my last question for you is if anybody listening want to learn more about PLE, I know you don't necessarily blog about it or do anything like that with your own URL, but do you have any suggestions for individuals looking for that information on PLE where they should go the best spots on the internet?
1: The favorite place I turn to, my wife has turned to has been um, there is a, a Facebook page called um, I want to say it's fun. It's, um, the Fontaine PLE or there's, there's a page out there that's uh, the PLE page, Fontaine PLE, or um, I'd have to get my cell phone to look at it. I'm having a, a senior Yeah, PLE. Yeah, and then the, there's another one that has uh, plastic bronchitis, and that that's also supports, um, that's another problem with PLE patients with the uh, Fontaine procedure or any type of heart defect, uh, congenital heart defect patient, they have uh, plastic bronchitis. So those are the two things that I, that I would talk about, which would be PLA and blasted bronchitis. They do have those pages out there on Facebook. And There's a lot of information out there that people share. And then just look at the medical journals, do Fontan, or do searches for uh, Fontan PLA. Just, you know, and you can find a lot of information out there. So there's no one repository of information, no one thing. You just have to do searches
0: sounds good there you have it people go on facebook google everything he just said check it out ple and pete thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and and for having me in your home i really appreciate it well thank
1: you very much bill
0: so there it is that is the podcast episode 14 of season one is over There are only a handful of episodes left, a very small handful, pretty much just the month of October. This morning, I actually recorded one of the first episodes of season two, so recording has begun for that. If you happen to have somebody in your mind, in your life, or just somebody you follow online who you think belongs on this podcast, someone who's doing something very interesting or has been battling something very interesting, let me know about it. Go to BillKuhnSpeaks.com slash podcast. There's a silver button. Click it. The other buttons there are a green button, which lets you subscribe to the podcast via email. And then two other buttons, iTunes and Google Play. Click them. Subscribe on those different platforms. Then, once you're done listening to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, go in there, give it a five-star rating, write a review. Those reviews and those ratings help other people find the podcast, and the podcast can grow. And then more people, random strangers, can suggest people, and the circle of life will continue. Do you want to hear the previews of these podcast episodes before they drop? In this last month, you're going to want to hear them. The only way to hear those previews is one of two ways. One, follow the podcast on Twitter at P-Y-S-K podcast or myself at TheBilCoon, Or follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coon. Next week, I am joined by Bridget Ferraro of the Holiday Heroes. If you like kids and you like parties, you're going to like that podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you tune in. But that's it. That's all from me. So until next week, have a fantastic Wednesday, a great Thursday, an even better Friday, and a kick-ass weekend. I'm out.